sounds great out there, but the good news is it looks even more beautiful. It looks great in here, people. Our Bible verse today comes from Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everyone out there. I concur with what Joey says, and uh, it's great to see everybody. Appreciate those of you that are tuning in on social media today as well. Um, we are starting to reopen things as par, you know, we've been following the COVID-19 uh, guidelines and all that, and, and so it's good to see many of you back here for your first time in a good while. Our sister Hilda Lynn made it this morning. She's only 97 years old, and she drove into church, so we're very grateful for that and for having all of you here today. And of course, it is Father's Day. Let me mention this very briefly as we get into our lesson, beloved. Um, talking about opening things back up, we are, for the first time in many moons, going to start uh, again with our Sunday evening service beginning this evening, okay? So uh, if you're able to be back for uh, worship service this evening, we'd certainly appreciate that. And let's get back into the swing of things, so to speak, as, as we have been before. Um, so, but it is wonderful to see all of you. And of course, this being Father's Day, um, y'all know my tradition is every Mother's Day, we have the mom stand, different ones for various things, you know, and some of the dads come up to me after Mother's Day, kind of razz me and tease me a little bit and say, well, you don't do that for us dads, you know, you just jump on us so we want equal time. So today, dads, I want today the oldest father to stand, please. I think that's going to be Mr. Paul Weisenbaker, right? Thank you, Paul. He survived Noah's Ark. We're glad he's here. And appreciate that. Okay, now, the youngest dad. Who, who's the dad, that the, the youngest dad that's here? Uh, come on, y'all don't be shy. If, no, way younger than 37, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Dylan, how old are you? 25? Who, anybody younger than 25 that's a dad? All right, Dylan, you stand up. We got a green in the mix. All right, good deal. All right, now the most recent dad. Who Y'all help me with that. Who's the most recent dad? Just had a kid not too long ago. Would that be Tommy Bennett? He's not here. Tommy, are you? Is Tommy the most recent one, y'all? Help me out. I don't want to cheat anybody. Okay, Tommy Stan. Okay, the most recent dad. Yeah, that's here. Okay, yeah, that's right. You got to be here to get the prize. Uh, and uh, so, super cool. All right, now, as we always do, I want the most handsome dad to stand. Well, he's standing on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, well, uh, let's have the most humble dad stand. Uh, uh, all right, y'all. I want every father to stand. If you're in here, stand up and remain standing, please. Let's pray. Father, this is a special day. You're our father, and we are very grateful for that. And every day's Father's Day when it comes to you and the relationship we have with you. But, Father, our country has picked a time out, a particular day of the year to honor dads and then our moms and, and for all that they do. And, and, Father, I thank you for each and every one of these gentlemen that are standing at this time. God, they are doing their best to be good, godly fathers, and we thank you for that because that's what our children and this world needs in a desperate way. I thank you for each and every one of them and for their efforts and for their sacrifice and for all that they do for their children and on behalf of their family, and just pray that you would bless each and every one of them in a powerful way as they continue to serve you. And we do thank you for being our God and our Father 
and the perfect Father in every way. And it's in Christ's name that we pray, and amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it very much. Brethren, I, I want to talk today about a father's responsibility and privilege. Do you know those words don't often go hand in hand, but I believe they are. It is a privilege to be a father today. The psalm says um, about fatherhood that, that fathers are blessed, and blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. Talking about arrows, you know. Um, and, and you got a bunch of young ones that you're blessed for that, brethren. And I know our world does not look at it that way. It is a privilege to be a father, but it's also a great responsibility as anybody that's ever been a father knows. Someone has said being a parent is the hardest job that you will ever love, and it is both. And so I want to talk today about a father's responsibility and privilege because, see, that used to didn't be much of an argument about that, but there's a lot of confusion today, brethren, about manhood and fatherhood. And what a father's supposed to be and what a man is supposed to be. There's people in our society who don't even know if they're male or female anymore. And, and so we need to get that straight. Because there's a lot of what they call progressive groups in America who view men as unimportant and unnecessary. There's very, a lot of famous quotes about that in our society. Some I can't repeat in this pulpit about Men and how they are. And, and you see in the media how dads, if they're on any kind of TV show anymore, basically is the bumbling idiot of everything, you know. Um, and, and so a lot of children today are growing up without a father in the home. And the statistics, brothers and sisters, are growing and not in the right kind of way. And it is a bad situation. God meant for a father to be in the household. Many children grow up without a father today, and we need to fix that as God's people. We need to work hard on that according to our creator, though. And this is what we want to look at, brothers and sisters. I don't give a flip about, and I'm not being mean. I'm not being unkind. I'm being real. I don't care what the world or our modern society says about parenthood. Because let me tell you what, in most of it, they are wrong as wrong can possibly be. I want to look to God's word as a Christian. What does our creator, what does our father say about the responsibility of a godly father and Christian fatherhood today? That's where we need to look, brothers and sisters. I've done this, and of course we can look at many things, and we've got one lesson today. I've done it in the, in the tune of peace. Okay, and we're going to look at that. What are fathers to be? And again, this isn't an exhaustive thing, but very important. And I think some that we have in our society have lost sight of in many ways. Uh, first of all, this morning, we are to be a provider. Okay, that's the, that's the responsibility of the dad. First Timothy 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not, and he's talking here specifically about men. This, this isn't about men exactly, but he is talking here about men. And he says, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Brothers and sisters, if an unbeliever remains in that state when the Lord comes again, where are they going to be for an eternity? You can say it. It's called hell. It's a place, and if we who refuse to provide for our own children have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever, he didn't say you're on the same level, but worse than. That's serious stuff. That's very serious stuff. A father 
is to sacrifice his wants and his needs for the needs of his family. There are those today, and I don't even call, I cannot call him a, quote, father. But they'll get a girl pregnant and then gone and provide nothing for that child. That's not a father. There are those who spend most of their income on themselves. I have known men literally couldn't hardly put groceries on the table, but they'd have that new bass boat and play the lottery on a very regular basis. I know those who provide for the physical necessities of the family and nothing else and believe they've done what they need to do. No, Dad, that's just part of it. I heard a fellow say one time, I, in fact, I've heard this from more than one person, but basically it's, I put a roof over their heads and clothes on their back, I have met my obligation. No, Daddy, only a small part. Only a small part. In Philippians 4, verse 19, the Bible says that our Father God provides us all things that pertain to life and godliness and as God's uh, children and we are to do the same as our heavenly father and we are to, as dads, provide everything that pertains to their life, which is their necessity, their physical necessities, and their godliness. That is our responsibility as a provider. Number two, this morning, fathers, we are to be a protector of our family. Boy, has our society about that the the bible describes our god our father as being this when it comes to a protector and i'm we, we're not going to look at all these verses today we'd be here half the day but the bible says god is our defense or our defender as our father as our father he is our fortress as our father he is a hiding place that you can go to for safety as our Father, He is our refuge. As our Father, the Bible says, He is our shield. And as godly fathers, we are to do likewise for our children because of Ephesians 5.1 that Joey read a few minutes ago. We're to be imitators of God as beloved children. And so we need to do what uh, for our children what our Heavenly Father does for His own. And that is in the area of protector fathers are supposed to be protectors brothers and sisters i had a professor in bible college that didn't believe in violence in any circumstances whatsoever this this is one of those things you never forget and another professor had stepped in the room and heard him say this says well then let me ask you this he said you've got a wife and two young children he said, what if a man breaks in the house and you know that he's going to do severe harm to your wife and your children? Would you not protect them? Shoot them if necessary. Would you not do that? He said, all I would do is pray about it. And I thought, thank God I'm not his child. Beloved, we are as fathers to be protectors of our children. And there's more ways to protect 
dads, in, I, I know dads that, you know, because I'm sitting there thinking. You know, I wasn't married at the time, and I didn't have kids at the time, but I'm thinking if, if that day ever comes, you know, that fellow, bless his heart, he, they're going to carry him out. He's going to weigh two pounds heavier because I'm going to fill him full of lead. And people look, and, and, and when I say something, like that professor, oh, I can't believe you believe in violence. Brothers and sisters, we have to be protectors of our children. If we lived in a perfect world, that wouldn't be an issue. But we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a sinful, fallen world where people will pray, P-R-E-Y, on your children. And so we've got to be protectors. There's too many parents and dads that throw their children to the lions anymore. I've heard parents say, you can't, you can't uh, shelter your children uh, from the world, or, you, or it's wrong to try to shelter your children from the world. Brethren, we better do that. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. Because children and teenagers, and teenagers, I don't mean to insult you today. We were all one. We were stupid too, okay? So I'm not getting on you about that. But children and teens are naive, and they're easily preyed upon. And it's easy to convince and, and lead children in wrong direction. Brethren, that's being proven on the Internet on a daily basis. And parents allow their kids to get into situations and relationships that aren't mature enough to handle yet. And, then, and their decision-making skills are not fully developed. And besides that, their hormones are raging. And they run on emotion and very little intellect at this point. I know y'all thinking that preacher's getting on. No, honey, we were the same way. We know from experience. How many of you dads are, oh, Mary, I'm in love with Mary. Oh, she's the one for me forever. Two weeks later, oh, Susie, it's Susie. Oh, yeah. Three weeks later, oh, Marie. You know, we use, we are running on those hormones. Daddy, you got to protect your children. You got to protect your children. I've heard, I've heard parents say, oh, I can't tell my kids who they can and can't hang around with. Oh, yes, you better. If it takes taking a pipe wrench and running a few out of the yard, you've got to protect your children, brothers and sisters, because, because they can't do that at this point. They're immature. And so parents, especially dads, have to be mature for them and guide them and be their protector. I've heard parents say, I can't make decisions for my kids why they need to do that on their own. Wrong. Wrong. They're not capable of doing that right now. See, this is a gradual process. We allow our children more responsibility as they prove they can handle it and as we teach them and guide them and help them to get onto that level of maturity. We don't dump it on them all at one time because, brethren, and mark this down, too much freedom too soon is harmful. And a lot of parents don't seem to understand that. I have known parents who have allowed their teens to drink and do drugs and have sex in their house. And when I asked one mama about that because she wanted to know why I wouldn't let my children come over to her house, and I told her because I could not agree with that lifestyle. And her reply was, kids are going to do those things anyway, so I'd rather them do it at home. Brethren, where do adults get so... What's the nice word for that? Stupid? Insane? You want to guess where these kids are today and what they're like? Because I know, I've seen them. I've watched them grow up. Look at the news. You'll see a lot of them. 
another parents have said to me, I, I can't tell my kids who they can and cannot associate with. That has to be their decision. No, again, daddy especially. You better. When my kids grow up, there's certain people I said, you will never hang around that child again, never. Because of their character. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good morals. There's so many dangers in this world, and us dads should know that. Young people are young people in their immaturity. They don't see these dangers. They don't see them. So they rush headlong into things that will impact them and others sometimes for the rest of their entire life. And you say, well, brothers and sisters, or Brother Green, you know, sometimes they're just going to be determined to go against their upbringing, and they're going to do stupid things. They are, and they will. So do we just accept that? Do we just stand by and watch themselves destruct and do nothing about it? Fathers, we have a God-given obligation to stand against and vigorously oppose and even fight against influences and people that would lead our children into harm's way. My kids understood growing up that when I, I could come in their bedroom at any point at any time and look under their mattress and do anything I wanted to. That was my house. Other parents said, you got to give your kids privacy. There's a Greek word for that called malarkey. Dad, if a dog with rabies were to attempt to attack one of your children, you would fight that dog with your bare hands. So why throw him to the lions in other ways? I love Jairus in Mark chapter 5. He's in Matthew's account too. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and seen him and fell at his feet. Talking about Jesus. And implored him earnestly. That means he begged him with every bit of his being. My little daughter's at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so she'll get well and live. He was willing to do whatever he could, had to do to protect his daughter. Y'all can read the rest of the story. I love the way that it ends. But I love that father. And I love his spirit. And I love the way that if it meant going and dropping on your knees and begging, probably if strangers in him that he heard could help do whatever extreme it takes he was willing to do it we need more dads like that amen dads we must be our children's primary decision makers and guide and disciplinarian and protectors for their safety and their well-being you know what though many parents have said to me and this has shocked me somebody says but my child will hate me. <laughs> of course they will. <clears throat> Had a mama come up to me one time and said, child was really rebellious. I just wish I knew what he was thinking about me. I said, no, you don't. Uh-uh. Brethren, that's part of the territory. What does Proverbs 13, 24 tell us, okay? He who withholds his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Our job as a dad is not to be a lenient friend or pal, but a responsible parent. And you know what? 
It means practicing tough love where and when needed. And your children's not going to like that. All discipline, Hebrews says, for the moment is not enjoyable, but it's rough, it's hard, it's painful. Brethren, I've known grown kids who have come to me. I counsel a lot. And I've known grown kids who have come to me, and they resent their parents. And you know why they resent them? They've gone to their parents and said, why did you allow me to do so and so? Why didn't you try to stop me from doing these things that you knew were going to be harmful and detrimental to me? Didn't you love me? I had a kid tell me one time, a teenager, we were talking about parents and their love and everything, and he said, oh, I know my daddy don't love me. And I said, how in the world can you say that? How do you know your daddy don't love you? I said, you know, some dads are just not as affectionate as they maybe they need to be. But, but, but how, do you, how can you tell me unequivocally that your daddy don't love you? He said, because he lets me do whatever I want to do. Even kids realize that. Fathers, you protect your children. You protect them from the harmful, from the evil, when necessary. You protect them from themselves. And third, and we're almost done as a, I always, I always practice this word and I still progenitor, right? Is that how you say it? If you look at that up in Webster's English, that's one who passes on, okay? Uh, one generation passing on to the other generation, their, their teaching and their values and, and, and what's right. And we need to do all that in the course of, 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 especially, brethren, of their faith in God. That's our most urgent responsibility as dads, isn't it? Ephesians 6, verse 4, you're very familiar with these next two verses. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Some are going to say wrath. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then Proverbs 22, 6, you're very familiar with that. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he may not depart from it. You know, you know what I hear so often from Christian parents today? I was made to go to church as a kid, and so I don't make my children go to church because I think it has to be their decision. Woo! Beloved, you were also made to go to school. Do you let your children decide that? You're going to let your kid come in in third grade and say, Mom and Dad, I've been, I've been through third grade. I, this stinks. It's not for me. I'm quitting school. And you go, oh, okay, that's fine. You were made to brush your teeth and eat right. You're going to allow your kids to choose to do those things? Yet when it comes to the matters of eternity, we'll let immature children decide? I heard a fellow say one time, common sense ain't so common anymore. Where our children are going to live forever, either in heaven or hell, we refuse to influence them in the right direction? When do we begin teaching them about their Creator and their Savior and their Lord and their Heavenly Father? I've had Christian parents say, Well, Brother Green, the age of accountability is around 12 or 13. Them kids ain't going to listen to anything anyway until then. So we just need to just well wait to then. Beloved, do you really think the devil's going to wait till your kids are 12 years old before he starts working on them? Do you really think that? Again, Ephesians 6, 4 tells us to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That means 
from the time they're little bitty babies. I, I, it'd be great if the first place you mamas took your newborn babies was to church. Proverbs 22.6 again, train up a child in the way he should go. That's what we need to do from day one, from birth onward and constant. Dad, husband, you have a God-given responsibility to be the spiritual leader of your household. And too many fathers have abdicated that to the mom. That's not the way God means it to be. Let me close this morning in a few comments. I got a poem, and y'all know I'm not a poet by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm not real big in that, but every now and then one grabs my attention. And this one's called Just Like His Dad. It has an anonymous author. I wish I knew who it was. And it goes like this. Well, what are you going to be, my boy, when you have reached manhood's years? A doctor, a lawyer, an orator, great, moving throngs to laughter and tears? But he shook his head as he gave reply in the serious way that he had. I don't think I care to be any of them. I just want to be like my dad. He wants to be like his dad. You men, did you ever think as you pause that the boy who watches your every move is building a set of laws? He's molding a life you're the model for, and whether it's good or bad depends on the kind of example set by the boy who'd be like his dad. Would you have him go everywhere you go? Have him do just the things you do? And see everything your eyes behold and woo all the gods you woo? When you see the worship that smiles in the eyes of your lovable little lad, could you be content if he gets his wish and grows up to be like his dad? It's a joy that none but yourself can feel. It's a charge you must answer for. It's a duty to show him the road to tread ere he reaches manhood's door. It's a debt you owe to the greatest joy on this old earth to be had, this pleasure of having a boy to raise who wants to be like his dad. Fathers, do not destroy your children. You lead them to their Savior by your example, by your lifestyle, by your teaching, by your godly discipline, because truly their eternal destiny depends upon it. So once again, as we close, to you dads that are godly fathers, we thank you. We thank God for you. We thank God for the sacrifices you're making, for the example you're setting, not only for your own children, but for others around you. And we appreciate you so very much. And young folk, let me say this, because you don't know now, and I understand that, I didn't. But if you're being raised by a godly father and also a godly mother, you are blessed beyond measure. I know right now you don't believe that because you think they're the strictest parents in the world, that they take away all your freedom, that they just lay in bed at night and think of new ways to make you miserable. But they love you with all their heart and soul. And they're trying to raise you in Christ. And one day, one day you will appreciate that. We appreciate you now.
And if you're not in Christ, we want you all to understand today that you have a heavenly father that's the perfect one. Us human fathers are certainly imperfect, and we make mistakes. And even at our best, we still fall short. But God, our heavenly father, our creator, he wants that intimate father-child relationship with you. He wants it so much that he's sacrificed his own son on a cross so you could have one. And if you need that relationship with him today or need it renewed, we would encourage you to come forward now while we stand and sing. Uh.